You are listening to a proper DBE podcast hosted by Georgia Abrams and brought to you by the Daughters of the British Empire. British Empire is a 501c3 nonprofit American Society of Women of British or Commonwealth birth or ancestry, sharing and promoting our heritage while supporting local charities and our senior living facilities across the US. Good afternoon and welcome to episode five of a proper DBE podcast. We're bringing you something a little different today. We're talking about how we, the DBE, protect our stories and memories and how the podcast will play a part in that as well as what the future might hold. So pour yourself a cup of tea and get comfortable. Let's hear who we have joining us today. My name is Louise Churchill. Um, I was born and raised in Poole in Dorset. That's on the south coast. I'm a member of the uh, brand new chapter, Mary Wollstonecraft. That's in the state of Colorado. I joined in the end of 2019 after I'd attended a tea that the state held, a fundraiser tea. And I am a regent of that chapter. I'm also the state communications secretary and the uh, manager for the social media at the national level. My name's Brenda Marks, and I was born and raised in the East End of London. I'm a uh, member of the Somerset House chapter in the state of Kansas, and uh, it's a chapter I formed in 2008. I've been a member for about 18 or 19 years, and I'm um, currently the co-Midwest district organizer. I've been the state president, the state treasurer, and um, the region of a couple of chapters also. And my name's Linda Krupp. I'm a member of the Lady Nancy Asta chapter in Kansas. And I was born in England, uh, but I have two Scottish grandmothers and one grandfather is from London and the other grandfather was from the Midlands. I have been a member for close on 30 years and current role is co-Midwest district organizer. And I'm also my chapter's treasurer, but I've done pretty much most roles within the chapter and the state level, uh, including state president and chapter region. Okay, my name is Pam Atwell, and I was born in Scotland and grew up there. And I came to the States in 1966, actually, because I've been a member for about 40 years, more than 40 years. When I first came, I met some other Scottish girls and I was telling Linda, we used to sit in this little cafe and talk about all the British food that we missed. <laughs> if anybody think, listening must have thought we were really, you know, big plump folks and we weren't, we were skinny things then. But um, one of them was a stewardess with TWA. And I think um, Elspeth uh, knew Anne Robards, um, who was also with TWA. And Anne had been recruited into the DBE. I'm a member of the Royal Arms chapter in Kansas. Royal Arms was the second chapter formed in Kansas. But I've been national organizer, state organizer, and um, now I'm a member at the moment. 
when I was national organizer, I actually got a couple of states started, one in Idaho and one in Oklahoma. And I got DC, District of Columbia revived. So I'm rather proud of that. And the other thing I'm proud of is that I um, put together this book of memories that the uh, members shared about World War II, which was quite an endeavor, I have to tell you, and done rather hastily because we had to get it ready for the convention. I want to start with, Pam, what first inspired you to start collecting the World War II stories? Well, what happened was um, we were a national administration at the time, and we were about to be leaving because we were, it was our third year. Anne Robards was the national president, and she realized that our convention, final convention, was going to be right about D-Day um, in, in June. And so she said, wouldn't it be a good idea to get some memories of people from people um, and just put together a brochure that we could, you know, set out at the tables or forever, um, about World War II and what they remembered. And I was also doing the national news newsletter at the time. So I put that in, request, nothing. And so then I got to talking to one of the members in uh, St. Louis, and I persuaded her to send me her story, which I put in the next newsletter. And when that, that came out, all of a sudden, it sparked interest, and I started getting some other letters. And it kind of became pretty obvious rather soon that it was not going to be a brochure (laughs) because the stories were really interesting. And I didn't want to just do little one lines of, you know, a story that was so interesting. So I started putting it together. And to be honest with you, at the time I was going to get help from our vice presidents. But as I got closer to the convention, they had other jobs to do. (laughs) And so I ended up running back and forward to the copy place. And I mean, I was getting stories. I was putting together things and then getting more stories in. And actually, after I first published it for the convention, I got a whole package from Michigan with about eight stories in it, I think, that I had to somehow manage to put into the next edition, which I did. I think during our last episode, Anne mentioned the convention that was in Kansas City, right? In the plaza? Yeah, um, 2004 would have been. Mm -hmm. So of all the stories you've collected, do you have a favorite? I don't know. There's so many. One that really sticks in my memory, though, was one that I actually wrote. I wrote it after I interviewed this one woman on the phone um, uh, what's her name? McDon- Yvonne McDonald, I think her name was. And she was a flyer. She flew the planes from one place to another. Well, she talked like she flew because it was like, I mean, I was writing and scribbling and scribbling down what she was saying. And so I ended up, you know, rewriting it. But she was really interesting when she was telling me. And I remember her telling me one thing that she would sometimes be in a plane flying it and she'd never flown it before and she had the the book the basically the you know how to sitting on her lap where she was trying to fly this plane and that just really impressed me but there were so many of them that just had great stories of all kinds of things they did i've read all the book backwards and forwards mm-hmm. and up and down because i have been putting it together the original uh document was on three quarter inch floppies so we've been gradually yeah, recreating it to to get a new version to put on the website 
my background it was military intelligence. And so my favorite are all the Enigma ones. I love yeah. the stories about That's the great. women who were code breakers. And we've had quite a few of those. So, mm -hmm. so and we've had uh, other people who were in the Rens too. So those are my favorites because I, I identify with those ladies. Yeah. The book and the podcast are both created among other reasons, to document these stories. Are there any other similarities? I think that the World War II Memories book speaks to traditions. It tells you about the British people, how they got through the war, but it also mm -hmm. has their sense of humor, their mm -hmm. um, the food they eat and things like that. And so I think the podcast is all about our heritage and it's also about who we are as not just an organization, but as a people you know, what the Commonwealth meant to people. And we have stories in the in the book for Australia, as well as other countries, Canada, mm -hmm. um, it's shared heritage. And I think the podcast, that's an important part of the podcast is to share who we are, where we came from. And, and the book does the same thing. What was it like presenting the idea of the podcast to the National Board? And, and how do you think it was received at first? I think originally Linda and I presented it to Joan because we were going to do it as a, a, a Midwest project and thought that was a great idea, but she was taking it to the National Board because we needed their permission. And then when the National Board heard about it, they thought it should be a national project and they got really excited about it. And from there, as you know, Hillary contacted you and it took off. Louise, when did you first hear about it and what were what were your initial thoughts? I think I was still just the communications secretary at that time. And admittedly, I had never listened to any podcast at all. And uh, to be quite honest, I thought, oh, no, this is crazy. But uh, I was sold the moment I heard your trailer. The moment I heard your trailer, I thought we are onto something wonderful here. It's just another medium for us to use to get our stories out and another medium, you know, to have our stories recorded and saved. All too often I hear from state presidents or district organizers about uh, this item is lost and this story is lost and we don't know where this is and so on and so forth. And, and it's gut wrenching to know that that piece of history, we're not sure where it is and we've got to try and find it. As many sources as we can have, whether it be stories that we post on Facebook or the podcasts or in publications, is vital because we've done so much. We've got such a long history and we've changed people's lives, uh, whether through membership or providing facilities for our um, elderly residents in our homes or just charities that we've supported over the years. So yeah, I was hooked immediately. <laughs> I know that technology is daunting for a lot of our members, but I think that the podcasts are close enough to sitting down and turning the radio on and, and listening to that weekly broadcast that you like. So it's familiar and accessible, even though it's a more modern delivery. It's still the same uh, idea at the end of the day. And, and I think that that has helped with how well received it has been. Now it's something that they can enjoy and, and tune in every week, hopefully. And I think the fact that it's so easy to tune into it has made a huge difference.
Uh, we kind of touched on this, but in what ways do you think the podcast will, will benefit the DBE as we move forward? Well, I would hope for one thing, it'll bring in younger members. <laughs> Once an organizer, always an organizer. <laughs> I think the podcast will be a great way to tell our history, as um, Louise says. It's a lot more fun to listen to a lot of different accents telling these stories than it is to just sit there and, you know, just read everything. Um, and I'm not talking here about the World War II stories. I'm talking about the history itself of the DBE. You know, history books are what they are. You know, they can be very bland. So when someone is actually telling that story, or maybe they were even there, it comes to life. And uh, I agree with Louise. I think this will be a great way to capture our history and, and for people to learn a little bit more about who we are. And it gives us a great opportunity to brag a little. I think maybe because the majority of us are British and we don't tend to brag too terribly much. And this organisation has done so many good things. And we kind of need an opportunity and we need to be encouraged to brag a little because we do do so much good work. And I'd love to hear about a little chapter and the money that they raised on the East Coast, let's say, because otherwise I'm not going to hear about it. A good example was when I listened to one of the very first episodes and you were talking about all the money raised during World War One. Well, as a new member, I had no clue. I'd never heard that. And once the podcast was over, I ran to my husband and said, guess what we did? <laughs> you know, I was proud that I belonged to an organization that had done that. And, you know, like Linda said, there's, there's a great opportunity through the podcast to really create a sense of community within the members across the nation, rather than just within our state. I also think that a lot of information gets lost along the chain. You know, national reports to say the district organizers or to and then it goes down to the state presidents and then it goes down to the regions of the chapters and then it has to get to the chapter members and a lot of times along the way it gets lost you know or it doesn't all get relayed and I think it will you know be a great way for us to to hear this stuff firsthand really. And I, I hope that as our listeners continue to grow uh, we can be used as a tool for just getting information to the different chapters across the whole country. One of the things that I had wanted when I first presented the idea was that it's a way to create a sense of community between, you know, a chapter on the East Coast and a chapter on the West Coast. It's just a way of making the world a little bit smaller so that people who might never meet have the opportunity to interact with each other through the podcast and find their similarities other than just being a part of the same organization. And similarly, people who have the same interests, because we found out so many people who are on the, I'm a needlewoman, so it fascinates me that we have Louise who is has the button history, and then we have other people who are doing embroidery, people who are doing um, all, all different kinds of needlework and craft work and weaving. And all of those people are now coming together because they'll be sharing their interests on, on a podcast. I think that's fascinating too, because you may not have known that there was somebody in Colorado who shares your interest and this is a way of finding it out. Is there anything that you want people to know about the podcast? that it's really easy to listen to. You don't have to be technically minded to be able to just click on a link 
and listen to it. It's very easy to participate as well. If you have a story, it's so easy to share it in this format where we just sit and have a chat. With each member of the DBE having so many stories and experiences to share, I asked the ladies what they'd most like to hear on an upcoming episode. I'd like to see us do one on food Um, and and not just British food. You know, if we've got someone to talk about, say, Indian food, which, of course, is hugely popular in Great Britain anyway. But I'm thinking to myself, it would be great if I'm not saying speak out a recipe. I'm just saying talk about food in general and some of the differences. But then if there is a specific recipe, it can be then posted on the website, which will give somebody listening to the podcast a reason then to go to the website. So I kind of look forward to that idea. More of the history, but then I'm a history buff. So, you know, that appeals to me personally. We've been going for over 100 years. There's probably so many things that can be told. You know, in the same vein of history, favourite pubs, some of those old, old English and Scottish, British pubs, (laughs) they have some tremendous stories behind them. A lot of them are haunted So that could be then a little follow-through on... A Halloween episode? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. For those ghosts that people have seen. (laughs) Maybe traditions would be a good one too. I know that's when my family and I kind of miss home the most, especially around Christmas time when uh, you have to hunt the stores or get things like uh, Christmas crackers through Amazon because it's not as easy as just pop into the store to get them. and To pay four times as much for them. <laughs> yeah, 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 four times as much. And, you know, back home you just pop to Tesco's or something, but here you have to make it all because there's nowhere, you know, that, that sells the things that you're used to. I guess that ties in with food, but you know, there's a lot of traditions that you kind of miss out on because they're just not done here. You know, I always miss Guy Fawkes. That's one of the traditions and holidays that I miss the most is when that comes around. And yeah. you'll have to visit Illinois. I believe they have a Guy Fawkes night. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I believe oh. so. Mm-hmm. Do any of you have a favorite moment from the first few episodes? I think, Louise, you've kind of maybe mentioned yours already. Well, I think the second episode was a lot of fun because there was the friendly banter going on in the background. And that's very much like a a genuine meeting where people are together or if we get together at national or one of the district meetings, people are always telling stories and ribbing on one another. And that second episode was a lot like that. So I think it really showed who we were as, as a group. What struck me on that second episode was because there was two very, very strong English accents on there was when Brittany came on, it just struck me as so American. (laughs) And that sounds silly. I mean, we hear American accents all day. Obviously, we live here. But just listening there, you know, to that podcast, it's like it took you back to to, uh, England or something. And they're talking and all of a sudden Brittany comes in. It was like, wow, (laughs) there's an American accent. But that's the beauty, I think, of having all the different accents on on the podcast. I think it keeps it really interesting um, to listen to. It's, you know, it's like music to the ears, really. Let people know that we're not all sort of Downton Abbey type. um, No, we are not. (laughs) A lot of people will, you know, they'll say to me, oh, I've got Scottish background and and we have this castle and whatever. And I'm thinking... Okay, but, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, and people ask me which clan I'm from. Well, I'm a lowlander, so I don't know. 
That reminded me you saying that, Pam, when um, I, I joined in about 2002, but I was actually invited to join back in like 1977. And I went to an afternoon garden party to celebrate the Queen's birthday. And I thought, oh, I am just not going to fit in here at all. Being a Cockney from the East End, I thought, oh, no, these are all uppity uppity people. And um I really don't think there were. People were friendly to me, but I had it in my head, having just arrived here from England, that I just wasn't going to fit here. Well, you kind of went to the wrong event, in a way, you know, because the garden parties, you know, we're all dressed up and fancy dancy. <laughs> what are your aspirations for the podcast as we continue to grow? And what excites you about the future of the podcast? Well, my aspiration is to actually have every single member listen. That would be awesome for them all to really listen and take the time to do that. I, I think that's so important to, to share all of this with them. And, and it is so easy. Now, the second aspiration would be to have everybody contribute, but I think that's a pie in the sky. But listening is easy. Sure. Yeah. So. yeah. So a lot of members, even members that have been in for a long time, um, I've, I've passed out a thing that my, my chapter one day and it was a printed thing of the history of the DBE and I mean I there were a couple of members that I've not been in there for 30, 40, 20, 30 years and said oh well, this is interesting I didn't know this so even people that have been in for a long time there's a lot of stuff that we don't even know about our own DBE so I think the podcast might help. I hope it will become a tool for new membership really a tool to help us grow um we're always looking to grow to reach out to uh, members of communities that we belong to so many people that you come across have never heard of us and that's a real shame and and i'm hoping that the podcast will help us change that situation Right. And similarly, I think it helps us to bring our members at large into yes. our fold, so to speak, oh. because right now they, most of them are in states where they are the only person for miles around. And I think this is a way for them to connect and to listen to us and, and be part of the organization. I absolutely agree on that. That's a great idea. Are there any questions that you have about the process on on my end you know I record the zoom meetings and then I turn it into an episode do you have any questions about that how technical is that is it something that you easily just do on your computer I do and I will tell you I taught myself everything I know and I'm sure I don't do it right but it works it probably takes me about four hours to go from our recorded chat to a, a fully published episode with show notes and the social media and you don't need any other equipment other than your laptop? Nope. Wow. Well, you do a fine job. It sounds very professional, in my opinion. I agree. Thank you. <laughs> and I think it's a, it's a tremendous idea from the moment um, you first broached it to Brenda and I. I thought it was a fabulous idea. I really did. But then Brenda and I tend to run into things full force. <laughs> Jump in with both feet and say, yes, let's do this. We worry about it afterwards, but you do a tremendous job. That's what makes you good organizers, right? I do have a question, though, and it kind of, that arose today, actually. Um, and that was, do you have, have to have everybody on the one Zoom meeting 
for you to do this? Can you not like, I know you're having a problem getting people's schedules where you can get three people all at the same time. Do you need them all at the same time or can you record them individually on a one-on-one -on -one Zoom and then splice it together, I guess? We can do that. That's perfectly doable. It's just uh, more dynamic if everyone's on the same call interacting with each other. Have you done podcasts before, like for other things, or is this your first time? I have one other that I've done for about two years, and then I have two more that are in the works right now because I'm a crazy person. <laughs> My goodness. I have a question. I mean, I'm not very familiar with podcasts and all, but um, how does an outsider get uh, to hear about it or you know how do they find out about it and listen well they hopefully might see a post about it on social media thanks to louise you could email your you could email a link to your friends that's a, a good way kind of the same way that we recruit people in a way we do give them an idea but also, say um, somebody was um, very interested in tea they, and they know how to access the podcast, they might go search in a podcast group to find out um, okay. if there are any episodes about tea. And then hopefully our episode about tea would come up and they would be able to link on it and listen to it. Okay. So that there are groups or, or something for podcasts that you could search. There, there are apps and you can search the title or you can search a topic or whatever and it should pop right up i think you can also follow them and then it kind of lines up the next episodes for you mm -hmm. and you can get notified when new ones are added there's also links on our websites too We'll leave it at that today. I hope that everyone has learned something new this episode and that each of you are feeling less nervous or shy about contributing your own stories for future episodes. We encourage you to share the podcast with your friends so that they might learn about all the wonderful women in their communities. And we would love for you to send us your thoughts or questions to dbepodcast at gmail.com. If you're just stumbling upon the DBE for the first time and you'd like more information about our organization or how to join, you can find us online at dbenational.org. I'd like to thank Louise, Brenda, Linda, and Pam for joining me. And until next time, not ourselves, but the cause. Cool.